When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following is a presentation of Morning Drive Media. From the Knapsack File Studios in Studio City, California, this is Spotlight Star Wars Episode 22, Bowcaster Time. That's right, I did it. I first learned about it live on air doing Jedi Alliance with Mark Donica after Force Friday, and then a fan sent me a link to purchase it. I'll have to find that fan's name because you, sir, did the Lord's work. If it was you, tweet in. Don't take credit if it wasn't you. But what I'm talking about as I reach forward here in my studio, you can't see it. It's a shame. If this was a video a podcast or a TV show, I'd be shooting this the entire episode like I did on Periscope last night. It is the Nerf Star Wars Chewbacca Bowcaster. That's right. I have it. Hear that? I'm holding it in my hand. It comes complete with five Nerf bullets. You can shoot it. I'm going to launch this now. You hear that? Yes. What's great, you, you, you pull the little bowcaster string back, you click it, you load your bullet, it fits nicely into your hands. It's painted bright orange to not confuse the proper authorities. It uh, is a pretty accurate replica outside of the color of Chewbacca's bowcaster. A little smaller for me, but if you're a child, or a child at heart, doesn't count, apparently, like I am. But if you are a child or a preteen, if you were to purchase this and your parents were going to let you have this so you could shoot your little sister with it around the house before dinner, uh, this would pretty pretty much be accurate size-wise. It is a great toy. I am having a blast purchasing all these Star Wars toys. And uh, I'm not going to lie, last night, which was a Friday night, I got home after a tremendously long week and tough week of work. And this was uh, waiting for me. Uh, a package had come during the day, so I uh, put it together, and I spent a good hour. An hour, I say, walking around my house trying to shoot things, eventually setting up some of the old classic Star Wars Kenner figures I do have in my possession, and uh, tried to shoot them down. I periscoped it for a bit, but it did not start there on Periscope, and it did not end there on Periscope. It went for a very long time. Could you imagine... Some of you are in the prime, youthful years of your Star Wars fandom, but for the older fans out there, could you imagine having these kind of cool Nerf toys back in the 80s? Look, to be fair, we had a lot of awesome Star Wars toys in the 80s, many that are standard bearers for movie-related toys uh, going forward and, and, and still going and, and, and all that good stuff. We had it pretty good in the 80s when it came came to toys, not just Star Wars, with some cool things, but... I could not imagine having this Nerf bowcaster. I would have, I would have taken it to school, and if it was now, it would have promptly been arrested, maybe. Um, but 
I, I would have taken this everywhere. I would have taken it to church. I would have taken it to the grocery store. I would have taken it to my friend Eric's house where we do. We'd always gather up our toy guns and play army up on the hill. I would have. I would have played Chewy. Bowcaster time, man. What fun, man. This is an awesome toy. I'm so glad I purchased it. I purchased it with only a little bit of shame. Look, I try not to have any shame when purchasing Star Wars toys as I approach 40. But there's our times. There's those little moments of self-doubt that creeps in where you're like, look, I, I have no problem loving Star Wars. I have no problem having a room pretty much dominated by Star Wars toys, especially as we, as we race towards The Force Awakens. But when I order myself a Nerf gun, primarily to make my 12-year-old self happy, my 12-year-old inner self happy, sometimes I question it. But now that I have this in my hand, trust me, I do not question it. The Chewbacca Nerf Bowcaster. Highly recommended. 10 out of 5 stars. It is going to be a toy you need to have if you don't have it already. If you do have it, Here's what I'd like you to do. I've seen some pictures tweeted into me, um, but some of you didn't use the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars. You can follow me on Twitter at CatNapSuck. You should know that by now. And you should hashtag your conversation with me, Spotlight Star Wars. Spell it out, you lazy bones. And uh, let's have a conversation. So if you have the Chewbacca Nerf Bowcaster or any of the Star Wars Nerf Bowcasters, my comic book shop proudly is displaying on their shelves the little pistol uh, Nerf uh, gun you can get for Star Wars. I might get that. Uh, just because why not? Why not have as many Nerf Star Wars toys as you can? But if you do have one of these, why don't you do uh, what I did? Do a little video. Make it short. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars and try shooting down some of your toys. Maybe try shooting your cat. Okay, I don't recommend shooting your cat. Any younger siblings, be safe and reasonable about it. But let's see what you can do with your Nerf Bowcaster. Now, I know I titled this episode uh, Bowcaster Time, but I'm only going to talk five minutes about the Star Wars uh, Nerf Chewbacca Bowcaster. All right? Good? Good? We agree. Let's get to what's on my mind this week in Star well, my Star Wars fandom, and I'll see where it lines with yours. I am not quite done with Aftermath. Uh, people, uh, a lot of people asking me about that. I am reading it, thanks to a book provided by, to me by Christian Harloff. Thank you, Christian. Um, I, the guy just, it's, they send him Star Wars books. They just, they, he has shelves and shelves of Star Wars books, and, and he uh, has been sharing them with me. Uh, this uh, book, Aftermath, much talked about, much ballyhooed. It was very, very anticipated. A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, Star Wars Aftermath, the war is not over. And this highly sexy, intriguing cover, I love the look of it, very wide, and it's got the second Death Star blowing up. It's got an X-Wing flying away. That's Wedge Antilles X-Wing, I'm assuming. Uh, and then uh, you get it, and you get it in your hands, and you're, you're ready to dig in. This is the book I was waiting for when all the books were announced of the new canon. Uh, and this is going back. It was once this was announced, even, even if this was announced after some of the books were already released, and I, I think that might have been the case, but it was like New Dawn. I was looking forward to it because it was the first one, and we know my feelings on that. Not my favorite book. The uh, Tarkin and Lords of the Sith. Lords of the Sith by Paulus Kemp, still my favorite one, but I wasn't anticipating it. It was like, oh, that seems seems all right. Well, little little Vader Emperor time. Let's see how that pans out. My expectations were low, which could also contribute 
contribute to why I liked Lords of the Sith so much. Nope, it was just awesome. Uh, Dark Disciple, good. Uh, I, I anticipated that, but it was like, yeah, I could uh, give or take it, and I liked it. Star Wars Aftermath, though, this was highly anticipated simply because it was touted as, like it says, the war is not over. This is the continuation of the Star Wars story following Return of the Jedi because now, of course, as we know, we're taking Timothy Zahn's books, Heir to the Empire, uh, the, uh, the, the trilogy there, and uh, Dark Force Rising and Last Command, and we're, we're taking those and we're tossing those out with everything else. And for a fan like me, Heir to the Empire is what really, really kicked Star Wars Expanded Universe and my Star Wars fandom into high gear. That was the one that brought it back. You cannot, I've said it before, I'll say it again, you cannot underestimate what Heir to the Empire, Timothy Zahn's first book, did to Star Wars fandom at that time in 1991. It was very important, so it's very close to our hearts. So Chuck Wendig, the author... Has a lot going up against him. He's got anticipation. He's got expectations. He's got all those things. Um, and he's given this assignment to write this book. I am not done with it. So this is not a complete judgment or not complete review. I'm not reviewing the book right here. I'm just talking about what it is. Because this is still, I think, one of the more talked about things right now in Star Wars fandom. And that that thing is, is that this book, to some, is a bit of a letdown. This book, to some, it is not hit the mark. This book falls short for many. Am I one of those people? Yes, with an asterisk. Here's the thing. I'll start with this. I pity a little bit this author, Chuck Windick, who is very uh, skilled, he's very accomplished, and he's very good. This is a great book on many, many levels. Uh, my phone's going off. People are people want to know. People are texting me when they want to know what I feel about Aftermath. Chuck Wendig has written what I feel is, on many levels, a great book. Chuck Wendig has done a great job. He has created some very good, memorable Star Wars characters, some that we have to imagine will factor in to the rest of the story, maybe even our little beloved Force Awakens. Uh, I like his writing style. I've heard some people don't. I do. I think it's conversational. There's some choices that were made. Uh, I was talking to my friend, author Madeline Rue, uh, herself a very accomplished author, um, and uh, she brought up some good points about how the narrative is uh, it's kind of written from first person but across the board of many characters, and it comes off uh, a little odd. Uh, and, and upon thinking about it, I, I definitely agreed with that. Um, but uh, I did like Chuck Wendig's writing style. I think he's done a great job. This is an interesting story. I'm actually picking it up because I want to read and continue to learn about these characters, um, some which we already are familiar with. We'll get into that. Some are brand new. Um, but I, I have to say this. I pity Chuck Wendig. I feel sorry for him as a, as a Star Wars fan because I can only imagine that conversation. Chuck, we'd like you to write Aftermath. It is a continuation of Return of the Jedi. Okay, so this is going to replace Heir of the Empire. Yes, it is the continue, the official pickup following Return of the Jedi. Great. Daunting, great, but this is, I'm, I want the job, I imagine Chuck would say. Then they said, but here's the thing. You can't use Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, Princess Leia. I mean, you can maybe mention their names. You can mention them and passing maybe they'll show up in some kind of hologram or 
uh, flashback, but they're really not going to be the main characters of the story. Okay, so I'm supposed to continue the Star Wars story following Return of the Jedi, and I can't use Luke Skywalker, Han Solo, and Princess Leia, not even Chewbacca, C-3PO, R2-D2. Nope, they're not in there either. Okay, fair enough. Uh, we got the Shattered Empire uh, comic going, Chuck. We we need them for that. Okay. Are there any uh, original characters, people we know from Return of the Jedi? Are they going to be able to be in this book? Well, yes, Chuck, you can have Mon Mothma, General Crix Maidine, and Admiral Akbar. And I'll tell you what, we'll give you Wedge Antilles. And uh, he'll be one of your characters. Okay. Interesting. You got the leadership of the Rebellion. That's important. You got one of the kind of favorite second-tier characters of all time. Someone who's very important to the Star Wars story. Key parts in all three of the movies that we know and love. Wedge Antilles, I'll take him. I mean, after all, he is he's the leader of the Rogue Squadron. So perhaps we're going to get into some Rogue Squadron stuff here. And I'll go with Wedge. Well, yes, Chuck. But he's really not going to be the main character of your story. Um, he's going to kind of be captured early and rendered a hostage and relatively useless for most of the book. Okay. Okay. So who do I have? Who do I have to work with? Well, Chuck, we'll give you a character that people do like, do like a lot, and it's appeared in one of the other books. It's, it's character's kind of growing in popularity. Okay, who's that? It's an Imperial, Admiral Ray Sloan. Who? You know, she was a new Don. Worked with Count Vidian. Well, now she's worked her way up. She is a strong female character. Um, uh, according to some Wikipedia pages, she's a woman of color. This is about diversity in Star Wars. You get to write this character. Awesome. Who is that again? Read New Dawn. Okay. I have that character. Anyone else? Well, the rest of you have to make up. Here's a list of characters. Okay. Who are they? Well, one's a, a Y-Wing pilot. Yay, Ken will be happy. It's a Y-Wing pilot. She fought in the Battle of Endor. She, she was there. Destruction, the second Death Star. Interesting. I like that. A bounty hunter? Yep, a Zabrik bounty hunter. Okay. And who else? Well, an Imperial loyalty officer uh, named Singer. Um, he's going he's gonna to maybe appear later on in Star Wars stories. Okay. That's what I got. Oh, and you got, you got the Y-Wing pilot's um, son. Who's 15. He has a battle droid. A battle droid? Like a prequel battle droid? Yeah, he has a battle droid. He repurposed a prequel era battle droid to be his buddy. And it's kind of ferocious. Okay. All right. I'll get to writing. That I have to imagine. I'm paraphrasing a bit. Being a little swarmy a bit. But I have to imagine that is somewhat the conversation that happened at one point. So Chuck Wendig goes off to write the official continuation of the Star Wars story following Return of the Jedi with that cast of characters. I think it was hard for him to succeed. In this book, again, the anticipation was big. Why wouldn't it be big? This is the continuation of the story. Ah, I don't even know where to really break it down. Like I said, I'm not going to review it. Um, it's just disappointing, and, it, and it's a misfire. From the Lucasfilm Story Group. It absolutely is. It was also a bit rushed. The book came out September 4th, trying to make it for that Force Friday deadline. During Star Wars Celebration, it was revealed to us, us being me and the Schmoes and some uh, friends in the room, that uh, they were still editing the manuscript. And this is in April for uh, Star Wars Aftermath. 
uh, going back to the conversation I had with my friend Maddie Rue, she, when I brought that up to her, she cringed. She said that this book was rushed. Her next book's coming out in the summer. It has already been edited. The manuscript already been edited, and it's being worked on. Um, this is a rush job, possibly. So I, I'm not here to tear down this book. I actually enjoyed it. If you've read it in full, tweet me what you feel about it. Hashtag Spotlight Star Wars, and let's have that conversation maybe next week. I'm curious to see if a lot of you are just jumping on the the bandwagon of hating this book because other people are. My audience is intelligent and makes its own decisions, I know. But I did that early. I started this book with a sigh, going, oh, this seems so bad. Oh, this first chapter. Oh, where's Luke and Han? Oh, how am I going to get through this? But I got to tell you. I've been busy lately. This only thing I only reason I'm not done with this book, but I have been picking this book up to read it because I want to, because I want to hear the stories. The characters are very interesting. Nora Wexley is kind of one of the main characters. Like I said, she was a Y-wing rebel pilot with an interesting backstory. She kind of had left her uh, kid. Her husband had been captured by the Imperials and taken away. She leaves her kid in the care of her sister and her sister's wife uh, on on a planet named Akiva. And she goes and joins the rebellion, some damn fool idealistic crusade. And now uh, the battle is over, and she's back to maybe recapture uh, the, her life with her son. And that's not going as planned because her son's a 15-year-old scoundrel, runs kind of a little trade shop, a little pawn shop on this planet. And he runs amok, and he's got this battle droid uh, character. And... Um, it's interesting. They, they they make a big deal of uh, this battle droid uh, that the kid has repurposed called Bones. And um, he's made into like this fierce, loyal killing machine. And everyone who sees it is kind of like, oh, one of those stupid, useless battle droids. Who? Why would you have that? Oh, I'm dead. Um, so that's kind of an interesting little wink and nudge to the, uh, nudge to the prequels. Um, there's a great reference. Uh, I won't spoil it too much, but Wedge reveals how he got into the Rebellion. If you haven't read it yet and you're this far in the podcast and already somewhat spoiled, I still won't spoil it for you, but it's interesting. It is a great reference to one of my all-time favorite characters, and it's how Wedge got into, got pulled into the Rebellion. They touch on that a little bit, and the stuff with Wedge is good, um, but he is uh, not factored into the, the The Imperial Loyalty Officer um, is uh, this character, uh, I'm going to try to find it here on the... On the uh, on the on the uh, run here, I'm trying to find it. Um, Singer, it's it's kind of a three name. It's like a serial killer name. It's got three three names. Um, I'm gonna try this. Find this guy. I'm I'm flipping through pages live on air. Who cares? Um, but uh, he is uh, an interesting character too. There's a lot of interesting characters in this book. Um, but uh, he is possibly a character that will factor into Force Awakens and some stuff I'm hearing, so I won't, I won't dig into it too much. But he is a, a former Imperial, and, and he goes through some of the stuff on the Battle of Endor uh, on the ground, those little, uh, little rat bears, as, the, as I think he calls them. Um, and then you get some perspective. You get, some, you get to do look back at the Battle of Endor from the perspective of these, uh, the, uh, this rebel pilot, this Imperial who was on the ground. Uh, and also a uh, a bounty hunter who was there on Endor, a female bounty hunter uh, named Jess, and uh, she was there on well. So the, all these people have this perspective. These characters have this perspective on the Battle of Endor that is interesting, and it does give you some insight into the Battle of Endor. So that's good. So I uh, can't complain about that. 
And, and again, I like the conversational style. The book moves quickly for me. It's got some humor. It doesn't try too hard to tug at our nostalgia, but it creates some good moments where you go, ah, I remember that. Ah, I remember Admiral Akbar. Uh, Akbar is in it. Mon Mothma's in it. General Maydeen's in it. You can't go wrong with Crix Maydeen in your story. Um, again, it's just... Uh, you got no Han, you got no Luke, you got no Leia. And I know that the story group, the Lucasfilm story group, they got that going in Shattered Empire. Uh, issue one was a spectacular uh, book. Um, I, I get it. I get what they're doing. They don't want to have all the all the characters uh, in here. <sighs> it's just, I think it's a misfire. I think it's a weird, weird decision. I finish every night when I read this, a chapter or two, I'll close the book, and I'll just look at the cover, which shows, uh, like I said, the, the second Death Star exploding. And I just can't escape the fact that this is just a very, very weird decision to make this the official book, the continuation of the Star Wars story, and to sell it like that, to market it like that. And it, it really isn't that. It's just kind of a side story. Now, this is a trilogy. Will Han, Luke, and Leia factor in later? We don't know. We don't know that. I got to imagine at some point they will. So maybe Chuck Wendig will get his redemption in the next two. Is he writing the next two? That's a good question. I don't know. Maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I hope he does. Because I know he took some flack, and he kind of launched uh, on, on Twitter and saying maybe, well, you know, I included some uh, homosexual characters. Maybe people were backlashing on that, and I got a lot of female characters in it, and people are backlashing on that. Um, I, I really don't think, I didn't see a lot of that. I, I didn't learn about, I hadn't gotten that far in the book, and I didn't really learn about some of the uh, <clears throat> those things until I saw his tweets. Um, so the complaints I was seeing were just... I think people are just reacting to that on oh, Luke and Leia aren't there, man. Chewbacca's not there. No 3PO, no R2-D2, and this is supposed to be what happens after Return of the Jedi. I think that's the problem, Chuck. I think that's what we're having. But, Chuck, you have written a great book. It's entertaining. This is an interesting Star Wars story told from some different perspectives. And I mentioned the character of Ray Sloan. I love that they brought the character back. She did appear in New Dawn, and I thought was one of the more interesting things about New Dawn. Not one of my favorite books in Star Wars New Canon, as you know. But um, I think she was uh, she was an interesting character. Now they've uh, built her up. She's an admiral. She's key to this uh, rebellion. Uh, excuse me, the well, the Imperials version of the rebellion, if you will. Um, and I, I do like this character. And um, and in fact, Tristan Shields at Grand Moff Shields. Uh, wrote me on Twitter and says, uh, can you talk about Aftermath and the character Ray Sloan in the next Spotlight Star Wars? Well, Tristan, that's what we're doing here. Um, but specifically to your question about Ray Sloan, um, I think um, it's interesting that a a female would rise in, in the Imperial Army. And the reason I say that is because it's very well documented in a lot of Star Wars stories, many of, the, many of them not canon now, but the, the Emperor was not about diversity. Let's just say that. The Emperor didn't really like himself, uh, females and alien races. He collected their art as kind of a means to destroy them in a way. In some of the stories I remember reading, uh, they go to that, a lot into that in Heir to the Empire. Um, uh, the, the Imperial uh, Army 
the imperial, uh, the, the empire, it, it, it's, it's not a place for diversity to grow. So the fact that Admiral Ray Sloan, who, uh, again, I've saw some pictures. These are maybe artist renditions or fan art. I don't know, but she's a, she's a woman of color. She's a woman. She's, she's risen in the ranks in the Imperial Army to an admiral. She's very important. She's the most level-headed. She seems to have the, great, uh, the greatest concept of how to get the Imperial back on uh, the Empire back on track. Um, so I really like this character. I think it's a good character to have. It's an important character to have. I don't see how she'll uh, factor in a Force Awakens, though. Uh, not that I've heard those rumors or anything about that, but um, I think it was an excellent addition to this book. And um, and I love, too, that we're getting to the point that new canon has been around long enough now, over a year, that now we can uh, bring back characters that we introduced at the beginning of this new canon run. And it, it almost brings its own weird feeling of nostalgia. Like, oh, Ray Sloan's here. Oh, that's awesome. Um, more Twitter questions at Spotlight Star Wars. Emilio Escobar asks, at DentalBoy72, he says, Can I have suck interesting? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Or not one question mark, Spotlight Star Wars. And then he includes the uh, link to some of the stories and rumors uh, going on about Anakin Skywalker. More specifically, Hayden Christensen appearing in Star Wars Episode Eight. Emilio, great question, but I'll confess something. I have yet to click on any of those stories. I'm already, like, now I already have to be worried about Episode Eight spoilers. Oh, this is going to be a long next few years for a Star Wars fan who doesn't want to be spoiled, huh? Um, so I'm just generalizing here. What do I think if on any level we bring Hayden Christensen back? I know my friend Roxy Stryer will be happy that Hayden's back. It depends on the context. Is it some sort of flashback? Are we going to throw Natalie Portman in there too? Is there going to be some kind of flashback? I don't like flashbacks or the idea of, of flashbacks in the Star Wars world. It doesn't really fit to me into anything that's gone on before. So I wouldn't really want a, a flashback in Episode Eight. Uh, I know there have been talks. There was rumors of some in Episode Seven uh, that had to do with um, Carrie Fisher's daughter being cast. Um, still might be true. They might be doing some uh, diversion tactics on that one there. Um, but but really, not that we need to keep the same narrative storytelling style that George Lucas did, but I just don't know. Now, now I go to Abrams and Star Trek, uh, the reboot. It started with what could be considered a flashback. Actually, I wouldn't call it a flashback. It just started with the birth of Captain Kirk. Uh, which was a amazing uh, start to that movie with Chris Hemsworth as uh, Captain Kirk's father. Um, so if you want to start episode eight, where there's something like that, where it's not so much a flashback as it is just a scene that takes place in the past, and, and Hayden Christensen is, is on board to be Anakin Skywalker, Darth Vader at some point, you know what? Let me tell you something. Emilio, and to anyone listening, I'm okay with that. Again, I have not clicked on any of these stories. I don't know the context. I don't know the rumors. But if that's what we're, you're selling me, I could be okay with that. Again, it's it's over the last year. I definitely have grown to be more accepting of the prequels. That's that's known. But um, I I I I just I just, I don't have that kind of visceral reaction when you just, when you say something from the prequels. If you were to say that you know Ray Park's going to do a Darth Maul scene in Episode Eight. I'd be okay with that. It doesn't seem, as long as it doesn't seem too completely jarring and out of place, and it fits into the story in kind of a good way, 
fine. You're not bringing back Jar Jar. All right? That might be the only thing I go, don't even worry about trying to fix that. Don't even worry about it. Uh, just bring back Ahmed Best to be in some other role. All right? Give him that redemption. Um, but, uh, in fact, you know what? Now that I think about it, I'm going to campaign for that. We need a campaign for that. Ahmed in episode 8. Ahmed in F8. Hashtag that. He needs to be in episode 8 and just some role that has no digital performance capture nature to it. He just needs to be himself in a cool role. doesn't have to be big in episode 8 because that guy deserves redemption. He's had to live a life being Jar Jar Binks, the guy who ruined Star Wars when he did not ruin Star Wars. He did as told. Um, put me, uh, put on my best in episode eight. But again, Emilio, as far as that, interesting? Yes, it's interesting to me. I actually think it's kind of interesting. All right. James Chi put up an article at Man 1000 He put up an article I wish I could share and read with all of you. It's in the Chicago Tribune, and, it, and it's focusing on the guys behind Rebel Force Radio, which is a great show, great podcast. And uh talks about, for Star Wars fans, in middle age, the Force is still strong. It is a great article. Our friend Chris Taylor, the author of How Star Wars Conquered the Universe, is uh, mentioned quite prominently in the article. Um... And uh, it's a it's it's an article that touched touched home with me. I'm one of those Star Wars fans in uh, officially in middle age. I'm in that middle demographic on the advertising scales, uh, and I am exploding with love for Star Wars right now. I have more Star Wars memorabilia than I have ever had at any point in my life. As a kid, you're kind of limited to what your parents can or will buy you, or what your allowance will get you. But as a young adult, there comes that age, uh, that 18 to 22 range, back then at least, where you might hide your toys just a little bit more. I pulled some of my toys off the shelves trying to conform to some sort of social standard. Look, it's okay to be a little measured, to be a little guarded, all right? I've seen people, men and women, walk into my room and their eyes go wide. Sometimes it's out of pure admiration. Other times, it's they want to send me back into therapy. There is a fine, soft, comfortable middle. But check out that article. Look for it on chicagotribune.com about Star Wars fans and middle age and the explosion of Star Wars memorabilia now and something that's continued and how it's different. And the article talks about how it's different to other things. Look, I love other things that are pop culture The Game of Thrones, Lord of the Rings, WWE... Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, Douglas Adams stuff, Robotech, Transformers, Mask, all those things I kind of grew up with, all those things that kind of are around. And, and again, nerd culture, geek culture, it's a business now. It's a different thing. Um, but uh, there's nothing quite like Star Wars. Game of Thrones comes very close. The memorabilia is is pretty expansive. There's a lot of things to buy that shows that lets people know that you're a Game of Thrones fan. But the fandom's similar to Star Wars because I think there's so much to talk about and there's so much to get into and it becomes a community. And that's just that's even outside of the TV show. Just the Song of Ice and Fire, which George R. R. Martin has created. It, it is it is comparable on some levels to Star Wars. Star Wars still beats it. Again, there's an entire convention, Star Wars Celebration, devoted to just Star Wars. And when you got there, and, and go listen to my Spotlight Star Wars where I broadcast from my hotel room when I was at Star Wars Celebration, it was an amazing feeling. Christian Harloff and I will, will still talk to this day about, of all the con- cons and conventions and all that stuff we go to now because of our jobs, 
there's nothing nothing was quite like Star Wars Celebration and it wasn't just because we're fans. All right? It was because everyone there just it was positive, happy and it truly was a celebration of Star Wars. And that's what this article touches upon here that James Chi shared with me. It's just Star Wars is a little different. It didn't burn out, it didn't fade away. Yeah, late 80s and into 91 Air the Empire, it was a different and bit of a dark time in Star Wars fandom. If you weren't around for it, you don't really know, you don't sometimes you just don't remember. It doesn't seem like that happened. Other than that time period though, there was still Star Wars stuff coming out but but other than that it's grown man it's grown from 77 on we are now more and more in force awakens of course you know yes there's there's big companies behind force awakens it's now it's now we're in the ramped up marketing phase and force friday and all that stuff um it's different now um but it's just exploded man because it's not all force awakens stuff that's out there they're not. You can go buy some new things that are that are of old characters and, and the stuff we grew up with, and that to me just shows you that that that's what Star Wars is. It's this big, all-encompassing fandom and this all-encompassing community, and I'm part of it, and you're part of it, and that's why I love doing this show. I love just setting up my microphone. I ramble. I apologize for just rambling about Star Wars for 30 minutes or so. I I I, I you probably half of you are probably bored, but I, it it's but the other half of you you understand what I'm doing here. It's just me talking to you about Star Wars. And now since we we've got the the hashtag Spotlight Star Wars conversation going, um uh, I enjoy hearing directly from you since I can't do it anymore on Jedi Alliance. Um, uh, which I miss doing and miss talking to you live. Um, but uh, let's continue to be a Star Wars community. And if you haven't read Aftermath, you're going to need to. Find out for yourself, all right? Find out for yourself. There's some of the new canon books just, just haven't hit the mark, and that's okay. There's a lot to choose from. I did pick up, by the way, the Stickerland Fun Pad, the Star Wars Episode Seven Stickerland Fun Pad. No spoilers in there. Uh, they keep it kind of the main characters, uh, that the new generation of main characters is going to be in Episode Seven. Um, pick up that. Um, anyways, but pick up Star Wars Aftermath. Read for yourself and then let me know what you think about Chuck Wendig's book, Star Wars Aftermath. So that is that. Follow me on Twitter and all social media platforms at Ken Napsuck. Don't forget to tweet me uh, pictures or video of your bowcaster. Shoot some toys down. Be safe. Don't shoot eye eyeballs out. Just shoot some toys down and uh, we'll some fun. All right, so until next time, this has been Spotlight Star Wars. I'm Ken Napsuck. May that force thing kind of, sort of, remain around you sometime.